morning, church. Um, I'm going to be reading the Bible today from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Um, so I'll give you guys a minute to, to find that in your phone or the Bible. Cool. All right. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the father has made him known. morning. That's the closest we've run that one. I shouldn't have stopped at Maccas on the way. No, I didn't. Uh, g'day, my name's Andrew. Uh, it's great to uh, see you at church this morning. Um, as I think Rob would have mentioned, uh, it's our Vision Sunday, but it's a little bit different to our usual Vision Sunday because uh, on a Vision Sunday, we'd love to all get together in the one place and share a meal and celebrate together uh, all the things that God has done and uh, what it means to be uh, God's people in this place for this year. Um, but obviously, COVID's done its thing and we are kind of split across three services and we're all spaced out around the room. Uh, but... Uh, Nevertheless, we're still going to spend time, uh, as we always do, in God's Word, uh, looking at what God's vision for the world is, and us as His people, what His vision is for us as His people in this world. But I want to begin uh, by telling you a love story. Is that okay? Can I start with a love story? Okay, so I want to tell you the love story. It's a beautiful story. A 20-year-old uh, farmer named Pat had been given some bad news. And so he did what a lot of 20-year-old blokes do. Uh, he went to the pub with a mate to kind of process the bad news he received. Uh, at the same time, 22-year-old Becky, a student on a working holiday, uh, she was dragged out to the pub that night by a friend who, didn't just want, who, who just didn't want the night to be over just yet. Uh, one more pub before we go home. It was a Sunday night. It was late. The pub was pretty empty. 
And eventually, Pat, our farmer, and Becky, the student, got chatting. Uh, the conversation flowed really well. Uh, there was a real connection there. Uh, that connection turned into a late-night Macca's run once the pub closed, uh, and eventually uh, an, an invitation to a barbecue the next day was, for, was forthcoming. Uh, things are going really well for uh, our farmer and our student. Uh, Pat and Becky started dating shortly afterwards, uh, and then uh, everything was going well until one day Becky was walking down the street in the center of the city, and she was walking past a KFC, and she kind of stopped in her tracks and does this double take. Uh, in the front window of the KFC was a massive poster of her farmer boyfriend. And Becky turns to her friend and says, hang on, that guy looks like Pat, my farmer. Becky thought she was dating a farmer boy uh, from the country who'd come to, city the, uh, come to the city for uni. Turns out she was dating a guy called Pat Cummins. Uh, a professional cricketer, the fast, a fast bowler, Curren currently the, the best fast bowler in the world at the moment, and the captain of the Australian test team. Now, I apologise to some of you for talking about cricket. I apologise to all of you for talking about Australia and Australian cricket. I promise he had nothing to do with the sandpaper incident. He's part of the solution, not part of the problem. Um, but Pat himself, he just didn't think it was worth mentioning to this girl that he was getting to know. Uh, he thought it would complicate things, and depending on your, your, your feelings about cricket, it could complicate things because who would want to date a guy uh, who plays cricket because you're going to be sitting on the side of the field for hours on end. Uh, but uh, the way that Pat tells the story, he just didn't want like, his, kind of, his, his, his public persona to uh, get in the way of uh, Becky getting to know his true personality. Uh, but Becky thought she knew a guy, right? She thought she knew him. But it turns out there was so much more to know. You think you know a guy and then find out there's so much more to know. Well, Christians claim to know someone. We claim to know a guy. We claim to be people who know God. Not just that we know facts about God, not just that we know some things that God has said or know some things that God has done, but that we actually know God like you can know another person. But how do we know God? Isn't it arrogant to say that we know God? I mean, there are so many different religions in the world. There's lots of people who claim to know God. There's lots of people who say you can't even know God. There's lots of people who say there is not even a God to know. So how can we stand up to the world and say, we know God? And what does any of this have to do with our mission and vision on this launch Sunday? Well, come with me to John chapter 1, and here we'll see that if we know Jesus, we truly know God. And if we know Jesus then we are caught up in God's mission for this world. We are caught up with what God is doing in this world. Uh, now, a lot of you will know that uh, John is one of the four biographies of the life of Jesus. We usually call them the Gospels. Uh, and John begins his biography by giving us Jesus' backstory. It begins with this kind of epic prologue that sets Jesus on this massive stage. Uh, he tells us where Jesus comes from uh, and where Jesus has been and what he's been doing before the very first Christmas day. And it comes to a shock, as a shock to a lot of people in the street that, uh, that Jesus' story doesn't begin in a stable in Bethlehem. But Jesus' story stretches right back to the very beginning. And there are these two key images that John uses uh, to help us see how huge and how significant Jesus is. Uh, the images are the Word and the Light. The Word and the Light. Read with me in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Now, we're going to start with looking at the Word here. You might be confused from the outset. What is all this talk about the Word? It sounds very strange. Uh, I thought this was going to be about Jesus, and now we're talking about this thing called the Word. Well, fair call, but in a few sentences later, uh, uh, John's going to join the dots for us. In verse 14, we're told, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is, the Word is Jesus. Uh, the Word is the Son, uh, Jesus. But why is John calling Jesus the Word? It's strange. Well, John uses the, this, the Word to set the context of Jesus, to set Him on the biggest stage of them all. You see, the Word was a seriously loaded idea in both Greek philosophy and Jewish thinking and tradition. And what John is doing is he's tapping into both Greek philosophy and Jewish thinking uh, to tell us things about Jesus. Uh, in Greek philosophy, the Word, or the Logos, it was the idea that held everything together. It was the idea that there was this, this organizing uh, thought or principle that kind of shaped and ordered and directed the whole universe, and it was called the Logos, or the Word. Uh, now, one of the sad things about moving to New Zealand uh, was the loss of, of our favorite and dear Ikea. Uh, if you've never been to Ikea, let me explain. Ikea is a magical place filled with Swedish flat-packed furniture, homewares, and meatballs. Uh, if, you've never gone to an Ikea, if you've never been to an Ikea store, when you go, you are, you're not shopping, you're going on a journey. You follow a path, and I've got a picture here, you follow a path that leads you through the whole store, past every item that is for sale. It's like a giant, unavoidable, unavoidable impulse-buying maze. You went in to buy a cushion, you walk, out, you, you walk out after an hour and a half of walking through this maze and you walk out with ice cube trays, a lamp, a bathroom mirror and a hot dog. Now the word or the logos or the organizing idea, the, 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 the principle that holds the whole thing, to, whole thing together Ikea is this maze. It's the genius of thought that, that, that the, the, the whole shop will be laid out like this giant labyrinth and from this idea of the maze, everything in Ikea finds its place from living rooms to home storage to children's rooms. Everything finds its place somewhere in the maze. It is the directing principle of the Ikea universe. All who enter must follow the laid out path. This maze is the essence of Ikea. It's what makes Ikea, Ikea. It holds everything together. It gives everything its place. And it's a bit like the word in Greek philosophy. The organizing principle the central idea upon which everything is derived. And John is saying that that is Jesus. Everything only makes sense in light of Jesus. But John, he himself doesn't really dig Greek philosophy, and I think he's, his, his main thrust of using this idea of the Word, uh, the Logos, is, is to, uh, he uses it to describe Jesus to an audience that would understand it, but I think... Uh, he, what he's trying to say to them is that he's trying to say to them that Jesus is, the heart of the, is at the heart of the universe. Jesus is the center of everything that is going on. And unlike the Word or the Logos in Greek philosophy, Jesus is accessible. He's approachable. He's knowable. He has, he has come into the world. He has come near. He has come into the muck and the mess of this life. Jesus can be accessed. Jesus can be known. But the idea that Jesus is the Word, John is probably more tapping into his Jewish roots. You see, there's one uh, key idea of the God of the Jews uh, that, that separate the God of the Jews apart from every other God in the ancient world. 
The Jews claimed that their God, unlike any other God, their God was a God who spoke. A God who spoke. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that God speaks creation into existence. Uh, he, he speaks to reveal himself so that his people will know him. He speaks words of warning and judgment when his people wander away from him. He speaks words of comfort and deliverance as he promises to send a rescuer, a Messiah who will save them from their sins. God speaks wisdom to his people as he reveals himself to them and reveals the best way to live in sync with the world that he has made. See, it is by speaking that God has revealed and created and judged and saved and given wisdom to his world. The God of the Bible is a God who speaks. And that's core to the Jewish understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, and as the God who speaks, He speaks creation into existence. He speaks and sustains the world that He has made. And He speaks and reveals Himself through Jesus. Uh, and at the beginning of His Gospel, John wants us to see this about Jesus. That He is the one who's, who, who was the Word in creation, that He was the Creator, that He is the Sustainer, that He is the one who reveals God to us. Have a look at there in verse 3. Uh, verse 3, John chapter 1. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You see, we see that Jesus is the creator of all. It says, without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, if you're familiar with Genesis chapter 1, at the very beginning, we know that God speaks the word and creation springs forth. God creates by speaking. And the amazing thing that, Jesus, that John is saying here about Jesus is uh, that Jesus was that word that created everything. That word that God spoke and everything came into existence, that word was Jesus. The baby in the manger, the man on the cross, the risen Lord Jesus who defeated death, he was there at the beginning. And not only was he there at the beginning, but he was God's agent of creation. And that word, that world that he created, uh, the world and everything in it, it wasn't just kind of wound up and set off in motion like a, a wind-up toy or a clock that then goes on and runs itself. No, the creation is sustained by the word, continually sustained by Jesus. He is the one who gives it life and sustains life. Uh, if you're here in our foundation series, uh, you, me, and everyone and everything in this room, in this city, this country, in this earth, we only exist and continue to exist because we are being sustained by Jesus, the Word. Jesus, the Word, was there at creation. And Jesus, the Word, is the one who sustains everything. And Jesus, the Word, is the one who reveals God to us. He shows us what God is like. Have a look in verse 14. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What John is saying here, and he'll be a little bit more explicit in verse 18, what he's saying is, it's profound, but it is amazingly simple. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Do you want to get to know God? The creator and sustainer of everything? We'll get to know Jesus. 
He is the word that creates and sustains this world. He is the word who reveals God to us. And he does that to bring us out of darkness and into the light of God's salvation. Because Jesus is the word. He is also the light, John says. The way John explains it there in verse 5 is, the, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. See, the word Jesus is a light shining in the darkness. You see, this world created by God, by his word Jesus, it began being flooded with light and life. Uh, when we read the first chapters of the Bible, there's this beautiful openness between God and his creation. The world is in harmony, it's in sync uh, with its maker. Everything is as it should be. But then darkness enters the world, and the darkness, it casts a shadow over God's good creation. It's obscured and it distances and it disrupts the connection between God and his light and life-filled world. Essentially, the rejection of God's light in the world, it's, it's a rejection of God's loving rule over his creation. It's a rejection of his word. Right back in Genesis chapter 3, what was the problem that man and woman did as they ate the fruit from the tree? It wasn't just that they ate the fruit from the tree, it was that they were refusing God's word. They were disobeying his good word to them. And so when they do that, darkness descends. And, and the Bible's word for that darkness is sin. And that is the, the selfishness, the autonomy from God, the rejection of our creator that lurks at the heart of every man, woman and child. And in that darkness, in that sin, we've been pushing God away and we've been pushing away the, the life and the light that, of his word each and every day. But John tells us, that the light, the life that God offers, the light of His world, of His Word, it has come in Jesus, and it will shine in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Uh, when I was tw uh, 21, I did have the chance to have a, a short OE experience to Europe. Um, I, I packed my bags, I, I went to the airport, I got on the plane, I sat in that metal tube for 24 hours, and I managed to time it so that when I, when I arrived in Germany, it was, it was kind of night time, and I just have to be up for an hour or two before I could go straight to bed. And so it was one of those ones where it's like, I'm just going to stay up the whole time. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh, some friends picked me up from the airport, and I kind of stayed up for as long as was uh, kind of polite before I just, uh, they showed me to my, my, my bedroom, uh, I went in there and just crashed. Uh, but as I was going to bed, they didn't tell me something. They didn't tell me that in this house, they had some sort of super-duper industrial strength, black hole-inspired block-out shutters. And so when I woke up, I was met by complete darkness. The kind of put your hand in front of your face and you only know it's there because you can feel the breath on your hand, not because you can see it kind of darkness. And importantly, at this moment, I had no idea what time it was. I had no idea where I was. I was so disoriented and confused. And I had no idea where the light switch was. Uh, this was a time pre-phones, pre-kind of blinky lights all over the room. Uh, and so I was there groping around in the dark, tripping over furniture, fumbling along walls, desperately trying to find the light. And not even knowing whether it was just like half an hour after I arrived or whether it was like 11 a.m. in the morning. I was lost in the darkness. I needed someone to come in and bring the light. And that is us in our world, in our sin and our darkness, fumbling around, stumbling around, having no idea where we are, what we're doing. We need someone to bring in the light. And John is telling us that the light has come as Jesus has come into the world. 
He has come to draw back the darkness, to shine the light of God's salvation. He has come so that we might know God. And this is comforting for us. Because some of us have experienced real darkness. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've hurt, no matter how shameful you feel, no matter what damage you have caused, no matter how many relationships you have trashed along the way, no matter how dark your life may feel, the light of Jesus, the Word, it has come into the world and John tells us that the darkness cannot overcome it. Jesus has come to bring eternal life, to shine the light of God's salvation into the darkness and no darkness is too dark for that light, for the light of Jesus. And so we know Jesus, the Word, the one who is at the center of all things. We know Jesus, the light, the one who shines in the darkness so that we might know God in this dark world. And if we see Jesus, the Word, and and the light of God, then we can know God. You see that baby born at Christmas, the man who walked in Palestine 2,000 years ago, the, the innocent teacher who died on the cross. If we know him, we truly know God. You see, Jesus is God's self-expression. Jesus is God's communication to us. Jesus is God speaking to us, revealing himself to us. And Jesus is a qualified and effective communicator. Jesus, the Son of the Father, can reveal the Father to us. Now, if you were someone who was hearing impaired, you had a rough time. He had a rough time understanding the words that were spoken at Nelson Mandela's memorial service. I don't know if you remember a few years back. Uh, It came out uh, after the service that the guy doing the sign language interpreting uh, was doing such a bad job that people wondered whether he knew sign language at all. Uh, To give you a sense of it, Jimmy Kimmel uh, got a sign language professional to to translate what was being communicated. Um, And I've got a short clip. We'll watch it now. Um, Even if you've got masks on, it's okay to laugh as well. All right, so let's watch this guy and tell us what he seems to be signing, if anything at all, okay? Sure. All right, we'll, I'll be quiet and roll it. I support basic salutations here, salutations. Inside joining in this week's cigarette, inside to prove and on and on to support, I would please to say from me to you (laughs) talking to you so far is is he even attempting to make sense um it's complete gibberish and okay all right well we have one more we applaud you and thank you for that hello welcome so far (laughs) well cigarette join (laughs) bringing in different to you um a circle And I would like to pray this offering. Basically, this is fun. All of these balls to prove this is good. I'm sorry. The sign language interpreter, he wasn't able to reveal what was being said, was he? He was not an effective communicator. 
Uh, if you were relying upon him to understand what Barack Obama was saying, you would be left in the dark. But Jesus, he is the best communicator. He is the one who can reveal God to us. He is the word. He is the light. He is God's self-expression. He is God's word at creation. He is God's word of judgment and salvation. He is the wisdom of God. He is the word of God that can drive back the darkness and reveal God to us. Which is why John can write those words in verse 18. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is God, who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus makes God known to us. And so we can be fully confident that when we see Jesus, when we hear his words, then we can know God himself. We can be confident because Jesus is God. Jesus is God the Son. And so I want to ask, do you know God? Has the light of his salvation shone into your life? Because if it isn't, if it isn't, if you don't know God yet, then please stick around. We'd love you to stick around with us here at Sedona Hill and get to know Jesus. Because as you get to know Jesus, you'll get to know God. You'll get to know the light of his salvation in this dark world. You see, when you know Jesus, you know God. When you experience Jesus' love and compassion, you, when you get to know his wisdom and his authority, you are getting to know and experiencing God. Jesus has come so we can know love and be saved by God, so we can go from darkness to light, from, from sin to salvation, from death to life. And if you have seen this light, if you have met Jesus through his word, then, then we are caught up in God's mission. Uh, when we were brainstorming uh, possible names for this church back in 2014, uh, City on a Hill kept coming up time and time again. Uh, we had uh, chalk pens and we'd written all over our back window all these possible names. Uh, uh, City on a Hill kept coming up time and time again because of this idea, this idea of light shining in darkness. It seemed to capture uh, who we are and what we wanted to be on about. Obviously, it's uh, from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where, where Jesus looks his disciples in the eyes and he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You see, we knew that Jesus is the light come from God. He has come to bring salvation and life to a world that is headed to judgment and death. And as the church, as the people of God, we are swept up in what God is doing in his world. Because Jesus is the light come from God, we are his people are caught up in his mission to continue to shine his light into a dark world. And it's really important, like on a Vision Sunday, uh, this, kind of, this, this idea kind of bursts the idea of a Vision Sunday, but we'll, stick with me. Uh, it's really important that on a Vision Sunday, that as we cast our vision for the year, it's really important to realize that we actually don't have our own vision. The church doesn't have a mission of its own. It doesn't. It's not up to us to work out our vision statement or our mission statement. The church is caught up in God's mission. The church lives with God's vision. The church is an agent of what God is doing in the world. We are a tool in God's hand as he brings his word and his light to a lost world. And so that means lots of things for the church. It means that we aren't just a club for white, middle-class, university-educated, religious-type people. It means we're not a welfare organization or a political movement. It means that we, as God's church, are God's agent in the world for his rescue mission 
through Jesus. You see, the church, it is a group of people who are rescued and redeemed and gathered together by God. But when we're rescued and redeemed and gathered together by God, we're not just teleported directly to heaven, kind of uh, go directly to God, do not pass go, do not collect $200. No, the church remains in the world as a beacon of God's love and His mercy and His grace to the world. A bright, shining light sharing the word, which is Christ, so that others might know God, so they might be rescued and redeemed and gathered to God. I think sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that church is like a cruise ship, a place where all the Christians can come together and hang out and sail away from the world that has rejected God and sail comfortably to our heavenly destination, but that is not God's plan for the church. The church is God's lifeboat. We're involved in God's rescue mission. We're in a world floating amongst a sea of people who do not know God, who have no hope, who have no salvation. And amongst that mess and that despair and that darkness, we do know God, we do have the light, we do know God through Jesus. The Word has come, the light has shone, we know the one who can save them. And so we can share with those who are drowning in the darkness. We can share with them the salvation, the rescue and the hope that they desperately need and that they can only find in Jesus. So we as God's people, we are caught up in God's rescue mission, plucking people who are dying, from, plucking them from hell into eternal life through sharing the word, through sharing Jesus with them. That is who we are. That is what we're on about. That is what we're on about in 2022 and 2023 and like just to give the game away. That's what we're on about for, for 2020-whatevers. That is God's vision for His world. That is God's vision for His church, for our church. And if you know Jesus, that is God's vision for you. It is who we are and it's what we're on about. I want to finish with these words from Spurgeon, a, a great Bible teacher from the 18th century. Uh, Spurgeon says this, he says, Since Christ is our light, and He has ordained us to be lights in the world, let us shine to the utmost of our capacity until the Master shall take us to dwell with Him in the light forever. Let us shine to the utmost capacity until the Master takes us to dwell with Him in the light forever. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that when we were in darkness, your light has shone, us, shone upon us in Christ. That we have heard your word, your word of rescue and redemption. Thank you that through knowing Jesus, we know you and can have eternal life with you. And Lord, we pray that this year as we seek to live as your people in this place that we might have your vision of seeing your light shone in the darkness of seeing Jesus proclaimed of seeing people rescued through him and gathered to you and Lord we pray that we might build our life on this truth on this reality, on this vision, on this mission, as we seek to live for you in this place.
And Lord, we pray all these things through the great name of Jesus. Amen.